So, throw, yeah, we can praise the Lord for that song. Uh, uh, that's a throwback song. If you've been in the church for a little bit, you're familiar with that song. When I was uh, 17, I, I, I guess about 18 years old, I just came to know Jesus, and I used to play the guitar. And uh, I wasn't very good at it, but I made a joyful noise for the Lord. And that was the first song I learned how to play. I learned first song I learned how to play. I don't play it nearly as good as these guys, but uh, it, I'm a little bit emotionally connected to that song. But I, I love the message of that song. Our God is an awesome God. How many of you sang that song? Raise your hand. I want, I'm just curious. How many of you sang that song? Um, <clears throat> if you're watching online, would you just say, I sang that song too? I want to talk about that in a little bit. We sing about the greatness of God and the awesomeness of God, but do we really recognize that he's an awesome God? Does it show in our lives that he's an awesome God? And that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at a God who loves you and cares about you, a God who wants you to trust him, God wants you to wait on him. He wants you to wait on him. I know that's not popular, but I'm so excited about talking about this message. The Lord just stirred my heart, and I believe God has a special word for you and those of you who are online. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you, God, that you are awesome, and you are. We worship you. Would you have your way in this service? I know you're here already, and I pray that you stir hearts, God. Move in hearts, change hearts, transform them, God. I pray that uh, we walk out different. I pray, Lord, that your spirit takes a hold of our will, our desires. I pray that people are set free. I pray, God, that we turn to you in a fresh way, Lord. So, Lord, move here in a powerful way, I pray. And do whatever you want to do, God. Go deep today, God. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Do me a favor and turn to the person next to you and just, just tell them, keep waiting. And you can type that in the chat. Keep waiting. And then you can have a seat. Thank you so much, guys. Keep waiting. It's going to make sense. Keep waiting. So for uh, uh, Christmas Eve is upon us. Let me just talk about that a little bit, guys. We have a, um, hopefully when you came in, you got a Christmas Eve invite card. And it, it looks like, like this guy, and, and you could open it up, and, and there's service times for our Christmas Eve services, and, and we're having uh, six Christmas Eve services on, uh, on Thursday and uh, the 22nd, and then on Friday uh, and 23rd, and then also on Saturday the 24th. There's six Christmas Eve services. All of them are identical, and we're putting a lot of effort into these Christmas Eve services as always, and it's all based based on this one popular message that uh, the angel Gabriel told this really popular teenager. Uh, <clears throat> and, and the popular message was, with God, all things are possible. That's what he told her. With God, all things are possible. That's why the title is impossible. That's what we're looking at. All things are possible. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you invite someone? Invite someone. There's people that are in the kingdom of heaven because they were invited to a Christmas Eve service. And there's people who attend Thorn Creek Church because they were invited to a Christmas Eve service. I'm going to give you the skinny on this whole thing, guys. Um, the unchurched, Easter is no longer the big unchurched weekend. Christians like the Easter service. You know what, where the unchurched are most likely to attend? Christmas. They, they are willing because of tradition or whatever it is. So don't let this opportunity pass you by. Invite someone 
to a Christmas Eve service and see what God can do with that invite. So do that. Um, if you do that, you're going to go to heaven, and it'll be a good thing. So uh, invite someone to attend a Christmas Eve service with you. It's going to be way cool. The kids are doing a nativity-based escape room. How cool is that? A uh, nativity-based escape room. So uh, bring someone bring someone with you. Um, today, uh, we're talking about uh, well, this new series uh, called Timing is, is Everything. And uh, for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, what, what it means to wait on God, what it means to trust God, um, and it, it, it all leads to Christmas Eve. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says that the fullness of time, God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world. Jesus came into our world at the exact time that God wanted him to come into the world. So there's this waiting as we enter Christmas Eve, as we wait for the birth of Jesus. So, so the Lord just stirred my heart and said, we need to learn to be good waiters. We need to learn to wait on God and trust God. And that's why we're looking at uh, this series, Timing is Everything. It's only three weeks, but I, I think it's three weeks that, that could, could, could really impact your life and your walk with God. Um, to appreciate Christmas, um, you got to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It says, for everything, oh, let's read this out loud, guys. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. That beautiful. Does that give you any comfort? For everything, there's a season, and and today's title is waiting and trusting, waiting and trusting. And, and if if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you gotta learn to wait. You gotta learn to trust God. And in fact, many times will God God will put you in situations that will require you to wait on Him. Now, waiting is hard. None of us like to wait. My dog doesn't like to wait. Every night, he goes to the refrigerator, and we give him a special treat. And it started off like at 9.30 p.m. We gave him this treat with peanut butter, and the dog has been working on us. And now it's like at 6 o'clock in the evening. He's ready for his treat. I'm like, wait, it's not even 10 o'clock yet. But he doesn't want to wait for it. And we don't like to wait at all. You know, maybe you've waited in the car before. That's no fun. Driving, especially if you drive a stick, it's no fun driving two miles per hour, waiting in traffic. And, and you know what? I've, I, I think technology has made us more impatient because we look at our phones and we have this expectation that, you know, something should load up quickly. And if it doesn't load up quickly, there's a problem. Just control, alt, delete, right? <laughs> there's a problem. So I believe technology has made us more impatient but we're called to wait over and over and over again. I went to the DMV this last week to update my license plates. And, you know, you walk in and there's a little box thing, a computer thing, and you plug it in and it gives you a number. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. And I sat down, but the guy that was with me, um, I knew him. And I, I intentionally was just like, you know what, go ahead and go in front of me. I'm, I was in no rush. So um, he did. And that's another message. But anyway, he went in front of me, got the, got the cigarette. And then I went in after him, I was like right behind him. And he got his number, and I got my number, and I went to go sit down, and then I was waiting for my number, just waiting for them to call up my number, and I'm like waiting, you know what I'm talking about, just sitting down, waiting for my number to be called, and then they called his number, and I'm like, okay, I'm next, I'm next, here it comes, I'm, I'm ready to get off my seat. 
And then they called some lady that I didn't even see. And I was like, what, what, what's happening here? Then they called some other guy that wasn't even, I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, what, who's in charge of this system? This is not fair. I've been waiting. And I was right after him. And why are these other two people coming in before me? I just discovered waiting is hard. Can anybody agree with that? Waiting is just hard sometimes. We like things. We like results quickly. Um, uh, here's, a, here's a question. What happens when you can't wait? What do you do when you can't wait? Our inability to wait is the cause of so many of our problems. Think about it a little bit. Financial problems. How many of us are in financial problems because we couldn't wait? I needed that car. I needed that house. Debt problems. How many of us are in debt problems because of our inability to wait? I remember, I think it was last year or the year before, I wanted a jacket. I have a real addiction problem with jackets. And I wanted a jacket, and I ran across one, and it was like on full price, but I wanted it. You know what I'm talking about? I wanted it. And I went ahead, and I was like, I saw the price, and it was too high, but I wanted the jacket. So I went ahead and bought the jacket, and I felt like the Spirit of the Lord was stirring me and saying, don't you buy that jacket? And I was like, you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. I wanted that jacket. You know what I mean? I told God, it's okay. The jacket's here. And I sucked myself out. I reasoned. I bought the jacket. No joke. Like three weeks later, I saw the same jacket, and it was like half price on sale. And I heard the Lord saying, you see? If you would have waited... Anybody been there before where you don't wait, you can't wait, and it causes problems? How about relationship problems? We can't wait. We can't wait. So we jump into that relationship, even though we know it's not right. But you know what? You want a relationship. You want a relationship. Sexual problems. You start having sex too early. You have sex, whatever it is, and it's not the right time. And then you have problems because of that. Maybe even health problems because of that decision. Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? You take matters into your own hands. You make premature decisions. You make a mess. I like what Stephen Furtick said. He said, the only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. You look at that decision in the past and you think, why didn't I just wait? Why was I in such a rush? Why did I make that decision? I made a mess and I spent a lot of time and money because I couldn't wait. Why did I put that on? There's seasons of waiting too. There's seasons of waiting. You know, whether it's waiting for the right person, waiting for a relationship, waiting to get married, waiting for that perfect job, waiting for that chance or, or Grace and I, we were waiting for a dog at one point. We wanted a dog and we couldn't get a dog. And we wanted a dog, and eventually we were able to get the dog. And then our landlord, who in Colorado Springs, says, you can't get a dog after all. I changed my mind. I remember that. That was hard. Waiting on God is equally as important as obeying God. There's a lot of messages about obedience to God, and that's obviously important, being faithful to God. But waiting on God is equally as important as obeying God. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. 700 years before Jesus came into our world, this was prophesied. And it was written during a time of great turmoil and uh, great transition. 
Um, we're going to be looking at this book of Isaiah here, and I'm going to read it out of Isaiah chapter 40. But I want you to understand this book of Isaiah. I want you to understand the backdrop because it's important. Because in the middle of this backdrop, there's this message to wait and trust God. So here's what's happening in Isaiah. Isaiah shows up right around 700 BC, and there's actually two kingdoms. I want to show you a picture of what this would look like here. Um, <clears throat> where there's two kingdoms. Let's go to that picture, Ezra. We can go to that picture. There you go. Well, so so there's, there's two kingdoms, and the first part of Isaiah, chapters 1 through 39, really is about judgment. Assyria has, has come in and, and exiled uh, uh, Israel. And now Babylon is on, uh, on its way in as well. So, so Isaiah's message to Israel is, you know what? You're paying the price for your sins. You're starting to worship other gods. And because of that, God is going to allow these pagan nations to come in and take you out of the promised land. And you're going to be exiled for many years. That's the cost of your sin. So Isaiah the prophet shows up and he talks about judgment in chapters 1 through 39. But, but the rest of the chapters, when you look at chapters 40 and you, and you look at them on, um, uh, you see this other, other, uh, other message from 40 to 66. And it's about hope. It's about hope. But what you need to understand is chapter 39. Chapter 39 is, okay, the Babylonians are about to come, and it's about to happen, and they, they actually came in 722 BC, and the very next chapter in chapter 40 is a message of waiting and trusting God. I wanted to share that backstory because I think a lot of us can identify with the Israelites. Have you ever felt like you're in transition? Have you ever felt like you're paying for your decisions and, and, and you're in a situation that you don't want to be and, and you're not out of it yet and you're like waiting and you're hoping and, and, and you need to hear this message that right in the middle of it, God is with you. Isn't that a good word? God is with you. And your uncertainty in the middle of the storm God is with you. God sees you. God loves you. God cares about you. And you may feel like you're in this dark place or in the thick of it. And you have an Assyrian army coming on you, whatever it is. But in the middle of it, there's this message of weight and trust. And maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've been there before. Let's check it out. Here's the passage we're going to be looking at. Verse 28, chapter 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the who church to the to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. Verse 31. But those who, what church? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
I think it's beautiful when you look at this, 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 uh, this promise. It's God's word. And, and, and you have to understand, you know, just the backdrop of everything that's happening. And, and, and there's this judgment, you know, that's, that's here in chapters 1 through 39. And, and then, and then the, the other side is this hope. And right in the middle when this exile, when they're about to be exiled for, with, with Babylon, right in the middle of that, there's this message of, do you just trust God? Just wait on God. It may feel like things aren't going forward. It may feel like you're taking 10 steps back. You just keep trusting God. It may feel like God hasn't heard your prayer. You just keep trusting God. It may feel like nothing's happening. You just keep trusting God. As I looked at this, you have to understand something else. At this time, the Jews were small in number, the Hebrews. They were literally a remnant. They felt like they were defeated by Assyria, and now they're about to be defeated by Babylon and Persia. They, they feel like the bad guys won. That's where they're at. The bad guys won. And the false gods of the Gentiles were stronger than the God of Israel. That's what they felt like. Have you ever felt like circumstances were bigger than you? Someone said circumstances could be defined as those nasty things you see when you get your eyes off God. I think it's so easy for us to get our eyes off God, isn't it? Um, as I looked at this, the Lord showed me something. And you look at Israel, and God is speaking to them, and he's like, you know what, don't you, don't you know who I am? And, and, and you sing songs, and, and, you, and you know the scripture, and, and you've read, you, you know the Mosaic law, and, and don't you know who I am? And, and don't you know the stories and all of this stuff? But yet they were afraid. They were fearful. They were acting like God wasn't really with them. Practical atheists. What's a practical atheist or practical atheism? It's holding an intellectual commitment to belief in God, but thinking, feeling, and behaving as if there were no God. So you can intellectually say, yes, I believe God exists. You could intellectually say, yes, I believe there's God, the creator of the universe. You could intellectually say, yeah, I believe God's an awesome God, right? You can sing that song. You can intellectually say, yeah, I believe the Bible is true. And yep, I believe Jesus sent his only son. In fact, during Christmas, how many people celebrate the birth of Christ? But don't live it out. How many people don't think about the ramifications of what it means and why did God send his only son into the world? There was a cross that was part of that plan. How many of us contemplate or think, yep, I believe this, I, I see this and this kind of thing. You believe in God, you believe in the creator, you believe in all of those things, but we're living like practical atheists. A Bible scholar said this, how easy it is to believe in the infinite power of God and at the same time to feel that he is unable to meet our personal needs. How easy it is. Why do you worry? Why do you worry? Why, do you, why, why are you anxious? Why do you stress? Why are you impatient? Why are you fearful? Practical atheists. 
Why? Why? I mean, if you really believe the infinite God, the all-powerful, awesome, almighty God is with you, you have nothing to worry about. You can walk with peace, even when things don't make sense. Don't be a practical atheist. Be a faith-driven child of God. Don't be driven by the circumstances and let the circumstances overwhelm you. The Hebrews were doubting and complaining. Some people don't see what God is doing. All they see is a long road in front of them. That's part of our challenge as we wait on God. We say, God, I don't understand what's happening. Grace reminded me today of a time when I was living in Austin, Texas. And at that time, I knew God had a calling on my life. And I felt like, okay, I need to be involved in ministry. I feel like God was just pressing it on me. And it just wasn't coming together. And I remember I I was so anxious to get in ministry. And it just wasn't happening. I, I was hoping to get on staff, actually, at the church that I was. And it just wasn't happening. Nothing was happening as quickly as I wanted it to happen. And and, and in fact, at that time, Grace was wrapping up her degree and getting her bachelor's. And I was just, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. And it just wasn't coming together. It wasn't coming together. And here's what I, I, I come to understand. We don't always see what God is doing when we're waiting. We don't always recognize how God is actually, he's actually working. He's actually working in your heart. When you wait, you grow. You're dependent on God, and you're in a position where you have to exercise faith, don't you? You either become faith-driven or you become fearful. Really, those are the only two options. And sometimes God puts us in a situation because he wants us to wait on him. I love the way the prophet started off. He says, do you not know Have you not heard? And he's talking to Hebrews who know the Bible. He's like, don't you you know? Haven't you heard the story about the God who parted the Red Sea? Don't you know that? They walked on dry ground. Why why are you acting like that? Why are you concerned? Didn't you hear the story about those plagues and how God delivered Israel? I mean, you know that story, don't you? Why are you concerned? Haven't you heard that story about water coming from a rock? God made water come out of a rock. You know that. Aren't you aware of the God who provided bread in the morning every day? Aren't you aware of the God who provided meat every day? Aren't you aware of the God who stood on the edge of the boat and said, be still? Aren't you aware of the God, Jesus, who went to that? There was a funeral procession and he touched a coffin and this young girl comes out. What about that guy who was demon possessed, had many demons, and he made them go into a bunch of pigs? Haven't you heard the story about that guy who was dead for four days? And then Jesus showed up. Or about that guy who was sick for 38 years? And then Jesus showed up. Or about that woman who spent a lot of money on doctors and didn't know what else to do, but then she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and she was healed immediately. Don't you know? Don't you know? Scripture says, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. Don't you know? 
Don't be a practical atheist. And all these stories in scripture are there to strengthen our faith, to strengthen our faith. But it doesn't just stop there. When you walk with God, don't you remember those times when God has answered your prayers in your life? Don't you remember those times when God's mercy and grace was over you and you, didn't even, you weren't even aware of it? Weren't you aware of those times when God blessed you when you didn't even deserve a blessing and he still blessed you? Or the times when he's forgiven you? Or the times when he's heard your prayers? Those times when you undeniably felt the presence of God and you thought, oh my word, God exists. Don't you remember? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Verse 29, Isaiah says this, he gives strength to the weary, say weary with me, weary, and increases the power of the weak. You know that word weary right there? He gives strength to the weary. Here's what this word means in Hebrew. Faint, exhausted, especially emotionally and spiritually. Especially emotionally and spiritually. You know, we can get exhausted after a long day of work, Long day, little sleep, whatever. We can be tired physically. We can be tired. You go on a run. You know, I ran this morning. You can go on a run and you can feel exhausted. There's that physical exhaustion. But have you ever been emotionally exhausted? Like you've been a sponge that is just squeezed and like there's no more tears in the tear ducts. You're empty. But here's the other level. Have you ever experienced spiritual exhaustion? That place where you've been in a spiritual battle. You've been spent spiritually. And now you're exhausted. And for me, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the most difficult exhaustion. The spiritual exhaustion. Where I just feel like I'm, I've got nothing. I'm spiritually, I'm spiritually wasted. And, and here, the scripture says, he gives strength to the weary. You have to remember something. There's an unseen battle going on all the time. You may not be aware of it, but it's there. Verse 30, he said, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. What's really interesting about this verse is verse 29, that word weary meant failure through loss of inherent strength. But verse 30 is a little bit different. This verse right here, he is, even youth grew tired and weary. This word right here means exhaustion because of the hardness of life. Like life is just hard. Anybody feel like your, your life has just been hard? You ever see that? There's an exhaustion that comes from life being hard. Hard. Have you ever seen someone and they look exhausted? Not like only physically exhausted, but spiritually, emotionally exhausted? Verse 31, here it is. Isaiah says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And that's the in the New International Version. I want to give you another version to the same verse. This is a New American Standard Bible. It says this, yet those who who what church who wait. Well, one version said hope. Another one said wait. Another version says trust. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. And it says yet. Did you see how it started off yet? If it says yet, 
it's comparing two different things. And it's comparing, remember, the previous verse was talking about, about youths, right? Young people. You grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. And verse 31 says, yet, there's this comparison. And here's the comparison. One is human strength, and one is supernatural strength. That's the comparison. Human strength, you become weary and exhausted, and, and you just, you're running on empty, and you're just, it's been a long day, or, or whatever. I mean, there's a human strength that's there, and we all eventually determine or find out what's, what's the bottom of that. But then there's a spiritual strength. Yet, yet, those who, what church who wait for the Lord. Has it, has it ever dawned on you that the act of waiting on the Lord will actually give you new strength? I mean, the act of, of sitting and waiting and just like, okay, I'm just going to trust God. And I'm, I'm going to, I mean, this right here, this position of I'm going to wait on God will actually generate new strength inside of you. Now, you're not waiting on yourself. You're not, you're not waiting on, on something else. You're waiting on the Lord. You're waiting on him. It's natural versus spiritual strength. This word wait right here, guys, we're going to geek out a little bit. In the Hebrew language, it's kavah, kavah. And this root word behind this word is, means this. But when this is waiting, kavah, here it is. It means a twisting or winding a cord to bind together. That's this word weight, kavah. A twisting or binding or a winding a cord to bind together. And I thought about this and as I thought about this word and I thought, okay, you know, waiting is not passive. It's a twisting, it's a binding, and, 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 and you're trusting the promises of God, you're trusting the God who, who loves you and who sees all things, you're trusting him who knows all things, you're trusting him because he's always been faithful in your life, and you don't understand why all this is happening, but you're going to bind your heart with his heart, you're going to trust him, you're going to, you're going to go down trusting him. And you're going to put your faith in him. And you're just going to believe that he has your future. And you don't know why this is happening. But you know he's with you and he's going to take care of you. This is what it means to wait on the Lord. It's a binding, a twisting. And you're, you're, you're binding your heart with his heart. You're binding, you're binding your will with his will. And you're believing he's going to take care of you and see you through whatever you're going through. See, it's about a relationship with God. You know, you know this whole thing's about a relationship with God. You have a God who wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to be the first in your life. He wants you to worship him above all else. He wants you to trust him even when it doesn't make sense. He wants you to know him as the Abba Father. He wants you to be obedient to him. And we're all passing through in this world. And he wants you to learn to wait on him. He's heard your prayer. He wants you to walk by faith and let him give you strength. He wants to be the reservoir of your strength, the reservoir of your hope. He wants to be that place for you. And then I, I looked at this verse and I saw something else. Those who kava <laughs> in the Lord 
will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Anybody loves seeing eagles? I love seeing eagles. By my house, there's a little pond over there up 136, and I get excited anytime there's a bald eagle up on the tree, and I, wanna, I almost get in a wreck all the time. And I always want to take a picture, but I know my phone's not good enough to take a picture. And I, I, I just, anybody else just loves seeing eagles? Eagles, you know how they soar? They don't flap their wings. They're very, very uh, efficient. Um, really, the, the, the eagle uses rising air currents to soar. They rarely flap. They rely on these thermal updrafts from which energy from the sun heats up the earth's surface and causes it to rise. And, and that's what they do. They, they, they're just riding on these updrafts. In fact, when there's a storm, you know where, where, where there's peace? Above the storm. Above the storm, not in it. So they actually fly. I don't know why. I, I mean, if I, could, if I could be an animal, I, for one day, it might be an eagle. I had to say, they're just so majestic. And, and seeing them fly and seeing them soar and this kind of thing. And did you know they could actually reach the height, reach a height of, of 10,000 to 20,000 feet above sea level? Just soaring. I mean, bigger than, higher than Long's Peak and, and Pike's Peak and Coloradans and 14ers. The eagle can, can soar. And, 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 and as I looked at this, here's what the Lord showed me. When you wait on the Lord, you're like an eagle. You use the updrafts from the storm to soar above it and have peace. Isn't that good? When you wait on the Lord and you're like, I don't know why this is happening, but I'm not going to be anxious. My God's a big God. I'm going to hold on to my faith. I'm going to hold on to who my God is. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to, I'm going to get tighter with him. I'm going to spend more time with him. I may have not felt him, but I know he's with me. I know he's taking care of me. And when you make that decision, the actual problem that you were facing, you use the updraft. From the problem to soar above it and you have peace so you want to say bring on the problem it's okay i'll use the updraft from the problem and i'm going to trust my god see waiting on the lord means you're at peace with not knowing you're at peace with not knowing what's next you're at peace with not knowing the why. That's waiting on the Lord. Like, I don't understand why this is happening, but I know you're a good God. I know you're going to take care of me. So I don't know, understand everything. I don't know your perspective, God. I don't know. I only have my perspective. I don't understand why, but I'm going to trust you. That's why I have so much peace, guys, even related to our property. That's why. I've seen God move. I was talking to Emily just this week about that and how God, he'll, he'll, he'll take care of us and he has taken care of us and this journey has just taken some time. And you know what I've discovered? Um, um, we're the project. You're the project. God wants you to trust him even in transition, even when it doesn't make sense. Elizabeth Elliot said, waiting on God requires the willingness to bear uncertainty, to carry within oneself the unanswered questions. Isn't that good? It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why, 
but I know I'm making this tighter. <laughs> I don't understand why, but I'm doing this, and I'm going to soar. I'm going to trust God. One of the, my favorite verses is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, I can do all things. Let's read it together. It's a great memory verse. Read it out loud. I can do all things through, Christ, through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Through him, it gives me strength. Isn't that good? Again, it's about a relationship with Jesus. It's about a relationship. And there's incredible consequences that come when you cling to Jesus. When you hold on. First of all, you get supernatural strength. Supernatural strength. Are you living on your natural strength or do you have supernatural strength running through your veins? I think most of us rely on our natural strength. You know, Isaiah is telling these guys, you got to wait on the Lord. The reason why he's telling them is, is this, because God has this concern. And Isaiah talks about this. And, and here's the concern that God has with the Israelites. The concern is because Assyria has taken them and Babylon is coming over the hill. And because they're going through this dark time, here's the concern. They might go back to Egypt. They might go backwards in their faith. It might be too much for them to handle. That's his concern. They might go back. That's why, that's why Isaiah in chapter 31, verse 1, he says, what sorrow awaits those who look to Egypt for help, trusting their horses, chariots, and charioteers, depending on the strength of human armies, instead of looking to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. That's why he, he mentions that. He mentions that. He mentions that. You have to remember something else too. The life of a farmer. There's a natural delay between planting and harvesting. Any farmers out there? Anyone have grandparents that were farmers? Someone did. Someone down your line was a farmer. There's a natural delay between planting and harvesting. So there may be a dream that has been planted in your heart. You may have said a prayer to God. You may have asked God to move and you're waiting and you got to wait on the Lord. You've got to trust in the Lord. You got to get wrapped up in the Lord. You got to walk with him. Don't be fearful of what you see. We walk by faith and not by sight. And eventually it'll come to fruition. Eventually something will come through that dirt. You don't have to panic. You can trust God. You can trust God. Something else I, I saw in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, and what church? Patience. The Holy Spirit produces what? Patience. Say it with me. The Holy Spirit produces patience. So check this out. If you, if you want to become a better waiter on the Lord, a better waiter on God, you want to, be, you want to wait for the Lord to move and you're not going to take things into your own hands. You're going to wrap yourself around the heart of God and you're going to soar. And you are just going to be, I mean, you know what you need? You need more 
of the Holy Spirit. The more Holy Spirit you have inside of you, the greater your capacity to wait on the Lord. You hear that? In fact, when you're far from God, waiting is hard, isn't it? When you're far from God, you take matters into your own hands, don't you? You're relying on yourself. You're running on natural strength. But those who run on supernatural, supernatural strength, they've got the Holy Spirit running through their body. They're living a life of faithfulness and obedience to the Lord. They're spending time reading the Bible every day, every morning. Read the Bible every day. Read it every morning. Spend time with the Lord and walk with him and trust him. Read it every single day, every single day. We need more Christians to do that. We have enough Christians that say they read their Bible, but they don't read their Bible. We have a lot of those, a lot of those. And if that's you, God wants to meet with you every day. Jesus wants to meet with you every day. Jesus wants to tell you new things that you do not know. You know that? God wants to share with you new things that you do not know. God wants to give you a fresh insight, a new perspective. He wants to give you a new perspective of your life and the circumstances around you and what he is doing. If you're not wrapped around him, you can, you can panic. You can make premature decisions. You can do things that are wrong. And you can, you can, you can create, you can spend a lot of time and a lot of money and you can leave when you're supposed to stay. You can leave when you're supposed to stay. You can walk out when you're supposed to stay. You can, you can act, you can, you can do all these kinds of things unless you're twined and twisted and binded with the heart of God. I like what, I like what this one scholar said. He said, waiting on God is a complete dependence on God and a willingness to allow him to decide the terms. Isn't that good? Here it is right here. Stretch out your hands. Stretch out your hands right where you're at. Stretch them out right where you're at. There it is. You know, stand up and do it. Stand up and do it. Just stand up and do it. Do you feel it? There it is right there. Soaring. Soaring. Trusting the Lord. Saying, Lord, I don't understand why this is happening, but you're my God. I'm going to hold on to you. Doesn't it feel good? Can you imagine? You can, you can have a seat. Thank you so much. Online, you can stand up right there too. Do it. Trusting the Lord. I'm going to walk with you. everyone online. I wish you could have seen everyone at church right now. We were all a bunch of birds just flying around in the worship center. It's beautiful. Waiting on the Lord means to look at the purpose of God. I got to read it again. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired and they will walk and not become weary. What are you waiting on? Are you waiting? Are you waiting on a prayer to be answered? Are you waiting on a dream? Are you, what are you waiting on? You're waiting for someone's heart to change? Are you waiting for your circumstances to change? What are you waiting on? Your God sees you. He loves you. Wait, Kaval. Wait, Kaval, on the Lord. I'm always impressed with those who... who uh, and, and those who've been through a lot and they're still walking with Jesus 
those pastors who've been through a lot and they're still serving him. Come on. You know, those older saints who've been through a lot and you see them at church every weekend. They've been through a lot and they're still serving and volunteering every weekend. Kavah. Oh, wow. I listen to those guys. I listen. You know what they're riding on? Supernatural strength. That's what they're riding on. Supernatural strength. This world will let you down. Things will happen that might shake you up a little bit and might make you question your theology or question the faithfulness of God or question whether God is with you or question if God heard you or, whatever, or question whatever. You're calling, question whatever. But you know what you have? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can trust him. Don't be a practical atheist. Wait on the Lord. What are you waiting on? Some of you need to just give it to God and just do that today. Just give it to God. Say, God, I'm going to give you what I've been waiting on. And I'm going to hold on. Make that your prayer. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for your presence. And your first step is to become a Christian. So if you're not a Christian, you can say this. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I turn to you. I want to become a Christian. Others of you, you might, you might need to say, God, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wrap myself around you. I'm going to kavah. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my hope in you. And I'm going to walk by faith. And I'm going to, I'm going to soar. I'm going to soar on the updrafts of that problem. I'm going to soar above it. I'm going to set my heart on you. I, I don't see everything, but you do. So I'm going to wait on you, God. I'm not going to messy thing, make things up and make them all messy by taking matters in my own hands, God. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to trust that you know me and my future is in your hands. I'm going to trust that you are the God who provides. Have you not seen? Have you not heard? God, I'm going to trust the God who parted the Red Sea. That's you, Lord. I'm going to trust you, God, that you could do it again. I'm going to trust you, Jesus, and the one who made a coin come out of the mouth of a fish, the one who calmed the storm, the one who healed the leper, the one who cast out the demons, the one who calmed the storm, and the one who brought life to the one who was dead. I'm going to trust you, the one who overcame death, the one who has risen today. And I'm going to wait on you. And I declare war against everything else. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.